Yo, TC, what time is it? It's time for a makeover. Hi, MC. And I'm TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, thank you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. This week's movie is 1982's Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Written by Cameron Crowe, which was a surprise to me. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Okay, let's go. Um, Cameron Crowe wrote this, but he fucking almost famous it. Where he went undercover to a high school yeah. for a semester and just took notes. Yeah. And came out with this movie afterwards. Which yeah. is the dopest thing I've ever heard of. It's interesting to me. Because um, everyone is like, he wrote the book and the film. So it's like, alright, I will say that that's... I'm always interested in it. Like, we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, directed by Amy Heckerling, who's done Look Who's Talking, which you know I love. Sure, sure, sure. And Clueless, which is a national treasure. Of course. Um, starring Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Judge Reinhold, Robert Ramunas, I can't, I don't know how to say that, and Phoebe Gates. Uh, yeah, first impression. Um, so I saw this movie, um, in high school, when one summer I attempted to watch all of the 100 AFI yes. movies list. Yes. I don't know if it was the 100 best or one of the like yes. offshoots of it, their best comedies, whatever. Um, it was just a movie I had always heard about but I had never seen. And in high school, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought that um, I was young enough to where the extreme ridiculous stuff didn't kind of pop out to me. Um, I felt like they were showing youth in a way that felt honest, even though it was uncomfortable and raw. Um, they were showing things that I hadn't felt like I've seen other teen characters deal with, especially in movies in this time period. Like, this makes, you know, 16 Candles seem like like a Mr. Rogers episode. Yeah. Like, it just, it's so realer than that. So that was my first impression of it. Watching <laughs> it now... This movie is problematic as fuck. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you think? A movie about teenagers in 1982. <laughs> this, uh... The... the the fact that the entire time I have to remember I am watching narratively a 15-year-old strip naked and fuck two different people. Um, we're gonna get there. Um, because first, my first impression of this movie, I saw this movie for the first time after college, actually. Really? Like, I didn't okay, see it okay. until then. And I think one of the things that made this movie, and even watching it this time, is this movie was one of the first teen comedies so it has all of that weight on it. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like reading, I don't know, the first story where, um, you know, a guy leaves his hometown and goes on an adventure. You know, it's like, that's been done so many times that sure. now you're like, oh, I mean, I guess it's cool that this was the original or this was the foreplan, but there's so many other ways that this has been done better that it makes it hard for me to enjoy. And I felt that way the first time I watched it, and I feel that way now. Okay. Um, there's just, like, we'll get into this later, but, like, the lack of narrative, like, a real narrative or structure, I found very bothering. But, you know what? I I don't necessarily mind that. Like, I can watch, like, a, uh, like, a this movie isn't necessarily about the story, but it's a story about the people in this community. Like, that, I, like, I've seen plays that do that, musicals do that. Like Yeah, but, like, even that to do me, that... the, the structure of stories that do that kind of let you know 
kind of early on that this is a world you're in. You know what I mean? It's like, perfect example. This is called Fast Times at Ridgemont High. If we had opened up in the school, yeah, and, you know, this is just like, hey, we are following all of these students in this school, that's completely different than how it is structured because I think the mall and the school. I don't know. I stuff. felt like it feels accurate. I'm yeah, just saying I that did, like, I the felt structure like we here. were like supposed to be watching a school year. Like it's the, the like, Hey, it starts with, you know, Stacy waitressing and them talking about how she's starting high school the next day. Yeah. But so I felt that it was like setting up like, Hey, this is the day before the first day of school. And then we're watching her first freshman year of her evolving from this child who thinks that sex is everything to a woman who understands that love is key. You know, honestly, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's sure. go to the critics reception. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, <laughs> This movie has a 7.2 on IMDb. Um, it also has a 1 out of 4 from Roger Ebert. Interesting. Um, Roger Ebert thought that this movie was inappropriate. So I, I have thoughts, but I will get to this later. Um, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 83%, uh, 78%. So um, not bad. Uh, yeah, also speaking of Roger Ebert. Um, I was listening to something the other day, and I found out that Roger Ebert is a huge fan, uh, or was a huge fan, of something about Mary. And you watch that movie, and you're like, this got his approval? Oh, I don't trust him You anymore. know what, that's what I always thought <laughs> about, like, movie critics in general, is that they have to have, like, this reputation of liking certain kind of movies, but everyone likes some stupid, dumb movie that just means something to them and no one else. And here's the thing, I, if you were objective and you admitted that, you're like, hey, I kind of like this movie, it wasn't for everyone, but as a journalist, sorry, as a journalist, I'll tell you it wasn't for everyone, but as a viewer, I had fun. Yeah. Completely fine. But when you are a movie critic who is critical, remind you of so many other things that actually push the envelope. But something like something about Mary, you're like, I loved it. It's fun for the whole family. You're like, no. Sure. <laughs> anyway, um, back to this, this. movie uh, was uh, had a budget of five million and ended up making twenty seven million um, uh, domestic, foreign, fifty million worldwide. So it actually, I mean, was a, a pretty big hit. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I think I have a connection with this movie is that it came out that nineteen eighty two, the year that we're supposed to be seeing is my mother's senior year of high school. Ah. So, like, I knew that, like, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, ah. yeah, this is this my is an parents. Insight. Yeah. yeah, this is an insight to what life was like, maybe not necessarily with my parents, but in the world that my parents were in. Um, I'm getting some kind of, like, Marty McFly idea of what that was like. All right. Well, yeah, I kind of like that. Mind if we get into the summary? Yeah, yeah, All right, summary. The movie follows a group of high school students living in Southern California while they look for love, sex, and just plain having a good time, which for most they seem to find, though sometimes in unexpected places, hijinks ensue. All right. Um, can we start with the cast? Yes, I was going to say the good, honestly, for me, I honestly feel like you see so many actors. Like, it's funny, I watched with my best friend, and he was like, why do I know that guy? Why, why does that guy look 40 to me? Because yeah. like, you you and I met him when he was 40. Yes. So when you're looking at their younger versions of themselves, they just look like the older version. I was watching this with my girlfriend and she said, is that Nicolas Cage? Yes. And she was like, she paused and she was like, who is that? And I was like, that's Forrest Whitaker. She's like, 
That's I've never seen him young before. <laughs> My friend was like, I didn't know Forrest Whitaker ever was young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, that was just really interesting. But beyond that, I felt like some of these actors gave phenomenal performances. Um, Spicoli, I'm not gonna lie. Sean Penn, I know he has a very weird backstory. I know that he's not exactly everyone's favorite, but in this particular movie, Spicoli takes center stage. He is, I looked at all the quotes, almost all of the quotes are Spicoli quotes. Yeah. Um, he is one of the most memorable parts of this movie. Um, as a matter of fact, I was telling a friend of mine, uh, the checkered bands, Yes. I only knew as Spicoli's. Everyone called them Spicoli's um, when I grew up. And it was weird to me because I never knew why. I just knew that that's yeah. what they were called. And then when I saw this movie, I was like, ah, oh, Spicoli's. <laughs> that was one of the notes I took while watching this, too, is that Sean Penn truly created an icon, a truly Absolutely. iconic, generation-defining yep. role. Yep. And the way that I, I was, like, questioning, and I really couldn't find a clear answer, like, were there these surfer archetypes prior to Spicoli, or did he literally invent this? That is a good question. I need someone to give me that answer, but it's... He, I will say, I looked at this the same way you did, and I was like, I feel like he defined everyone who came after. Because given the year this came out, and the year that, like, the Ninja Turtle animated series started rolling out, with Michelangelo having this, like, huge, like, surfer motif, and all of these other, like, surf-based movies that would come out, it just really feels like he took something that was probably just thought of as scraps, and um, really just made a meal out of it. Yeah, I feel like Spicoli, honestly, as you said, I feel like he defined not only his generation, but a generation of, like, the blonde surfer dude. Yeah. Like I feel like even um in the other movie she directs Clueless. Um, God, what's his character? The oh, one that the, the stoner kid. Yeah, right? the stoner kid. I feel like he's just a derivative yeah. of that. You know, because it's interesting. I, at least from my understanding, in media, whenever I thought of surfers or heard of surfers, it was always like Hawaiians or it was like these beach boy type of dudes. These like pristine white kids. And after this, I'm seeing a whole shift in that understanding of what it is to be a surfer kid. So, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I thought he did a really good job. And I also thought, I thought Judge Reinhold did good. And I, when I say that, I thought Judge Reinhold, the actor, did good with his character. Yes. I hate his character. Um, <laughs> I. It's so interesting because there are times when I look at Judge Reinhold and I'm like, I don't understand this boyish charm that I'm supposed to believe he has. But in this movie, I believe it. This movie and like Beverly Hills Cop, I am on board for Judge Reinhold. Anything after that, I'm not so much on board with. But this character, I'm like, even though he's this tall, awkward kid, to me, I said that he reminds me of every guy who had it all going for them in, in senior year of high school, but with nothing on the horizon after that. See, I get someone different in his character. I get from Judge Reinhold's character, and I kind of feel like in most of the characters, he's that guy who doesn't have everything. He's not at the top of the popularity list or, or top of the class or anything, but he's the top of Joe average. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like he's he's done all the things that he thinks he's supposed to do, and he... Gets all the girls who he thinks he has access to. He works at the best burger place in town. Exactly. He so drives a sweet ass car. His girlfriend's smoking. He is. He's. He has such an ego for someone who, in all honesty, 
below average. Um, <laughs> so he played a white man. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> well, like, honestly, I was thinking about just now the Santa Claus, which is yeah. one of my favorite uh, Judge Reinhold per- uh, performances. A Judge Reinhold joint. A Judge Reinhold joint. Yeah. Um, he he played Neil is the same thing. It's Neil like is like this guy who's like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm a really good guy. Don't you believe me? It's that thing where he's like, I'm such a good guy. Yeah. You should reward me for being as good of a guy as I am. I thought the the premise of him like practicing breaking up with his girlfriend ah. and then seeing his girlfriend like say it to oh, him, beautiful. I thought that was great it was such a great way to show us that you know he thought he was at his height yes and how quickly it's just falling from beneath him. well again this is why i said i like i love i love what he does with this because he is that pompous white guy who's he's great as long as everything's going his way but the moment he gets fired he goes to his girlfriend he's like yeah because i really need you right now yeah and it's like oh it's funny how quickly the tables turn you, you know what each character really evolves in this very interesting way and with judge reinhold we see this kid who is cocky and arrogant who really isn't doing anything worth a damn but at the end of the the movie we see this kid who's been humbled by life he's working at a gas station and then he actually accomplishes something great by stopping this robbery i don't know i still see it only as white man ego like honestly i just see it like his whole character i was like it's funny to me because his character is white man who didn't get what he wants each and every time yeah so when he's fired don't get me wrong the the scene where he's fired pissed me off and i was like oh if i got fired for that that would not be the last time you heard from me yeah yeah no i disagree (laughs) he should have absolutely been fired oh I don't know if he should have been fired. I honestly don't. I don't know if he should have been fired. We will come back I'm to someone this. who worked in retail with customer service. If I physically threatened a customer, I will 100% be fired. All right. So two things about this. One, we also, as the audience, know the bigger picture. Yeah, we know yeah, that yeah. this guy was being a dick. We also know that. But also, as someone who has worked retail, should you specifically threaten a guy? No, but it also was kind of like just a comment. It was yeah. kind of like, dude, give me a moment. Yeah. And that whole thing is where I'm talking about. It's sure. like he does not deserve to be fired for being a teenager, in all honesty. Yeah. Especially when it's that irony of I was only in this position because my friend walked away sure. and I was covering for him. You know, he takes his job. Hell of a piss, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he takes his job very seriously. Yeah. And like that. But what I'm saying is the mere slight pressure put on him and each and every time he crumbles. Yeah. Um, when he's in the car delivering and he has yes. to go to IBM and he's just throwing food out the window. He's like, fuck it. I'm Again, done. all you, you had, you were challenged and you threw a hissy fit. Yeah. Um, even again, um, at the, during the robbery, it's not like he becomes a hero. At all. He's just, he's fed up and he's yeah. yelling at the robber as if that makes any sense. Again, each and every time I see it, it's white guy who things aren't going his way and he's just had enough. As if that's any different from any other white guy. But I like Judge Reinhold for playing it that way because it seems true to form. <laughs> um, something I really enjoyed uh, was a young Force Whitaker. However, there uh, was a moment with Force Whitaker. Force Whitaker is in my bag. Uh, okay, all right, we'll save that then. Um... I thought that we saw some very interesting female characters in this movie. Yes. Another thing that I like about this movie is it passes the Bechdel test. Yes. And it treats women, don't get me wrong, 
most of the conversations are about men. I kept tracking it and trying to be like, how many times are we... Almost every single scene has the girls talk about boys Mm -hmm. and, like, everything relative to boys. But there are true female friendships. There are female characters. Um, Like, everyone has agency. Um, I really like this. And I really like the idea that this movie does really well in the idea of most of our sex conversations in America happen amongst peers. Yes, 100%. Um, I love, um, and forgive me, it's Stacy and who is Phoebe Cates' character? Um, oh God, yeah, what is her name? Uh, I just kept referring to her as Phoebe Cates. Okay, um, so I love that Stacy and Phoebe Cates have this relationship that is, you know, um, Stacy is start- Linda. Linda, thank you. So, uh, Stacy is starting high school. Linda is leaving high school. They're best friends for whatever reason. The age gap doesn't seem well to be a because problem. they work. Here's the thing. I will say I watched this movie being like, yeah, this is what happens when you work in a fast food restaurant or yeah. whatever. Your bonds are made. You're you're close friends with those coworkers at sure. this time in a way that you're just not when you're older. Yeah. Um, but what I love is that the whole movie is Linda, like, saying, like, answering Stacy's questions, and, you know, this is how you give a blowjob, and how, how much does a guy come, and, you know, how, do you guys come at the same time, and all these things, and what I think becomes evident as the movie wraps up is that Phoebe Cates is basically lying about everything. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I like that it shows Linda, you, like, even Stacy sees, oh, you're lying. Because yeah. you said he lasted 40 minutes this time, but... All her answers sound like things she read in the magazine, like 30 to 45, and, and they, they, a man comes about court, and, like, all these things that just... That's a good observation. I didn't get that. Yeah. You're right. It all does sound like it's Cosmo answers. Yes, all of it. She's practicing with carrots and, you know, all these things, and so... And the fact that she's supposed to be engaged to this gentleman who we never see, we never, you know, whatever... Um, I just thought that was just a very true thing to a child, to a woman who wants to appear advanced but not actually have to commit to anything that would make her feel uncomfortable. And that one time she is confronted with sexuality with the Judge Reinhold scene, which we will get into, yep. um, she's completely weirded out by it. So it just we're sh- seeing that like these children are, in fact, children. Absolutely. Which, when well, we get to Stacey yeah. and Damone... Uh, we'll get there. But, like, speaking of, like, uh, Damone uh, and... I, I think his friend's name's... Like, it's Damone and... Honky. <laughs> is that what you called him? <laughs> it's just Damone and Honky. God, I can't remember his name. But anyway, they, to me, uh, their friendship is also one that I look at Damone immediately. And I'm like, I know who you are. Yeah. I know, like, you're... This wannabe hustler, wannabe bookie, one. I was like, wannabe ladies, man. Yeah, I had told my friend uh, who was watching it with me. I was like, it's so funny because you watch this guy and you can tell that Damone idealizes his father, and his friend was raised by his mom. And you know, it's just like oh, it's wow, yeah. very clear to me. It's just like this one was raised with sensitive parents, and like they love him, and he wants to be like the big man on campus, but he doesn't really know how to assert himself. And Damone has this womanizing father who you could just tell he looks up to, and he's getting all of his insight Dude, from. But Damone he... don't care. She comes, stays, lays her <laughs> praise, my man. <laughs> and Damone, like 
he even does that thing where it's also really funny because he's accurate when he's like, I just have this quality about me that women are attracted to. You're like, I, the moment he said, it, I was like, what's really sad is he's accurate. Yeah. There's something about his confidence that just makes him more intriguing than uh, his friend. But at the exact same time, immediately you're also like, I'm not surprised that you have nothing to show for nope. it when, when actually put to the challenge. You came immediately. 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 It was like, at least the older guy, which we will get back into, uh, at least he's there and he, like, gives us a show. Damone comes immediately, immediately as a jerk, immediately. Like, I was like, who stands someone up? All you had to do was pick her up. No, you know what? (laughs) You're, You're so right about all of this, but, like, they're children. And, like, in that moment, you're reminded that, uh, Damone, whatever his name is, um, he is not the adult that we see earlier in the movie. He is a child who also, this is probably maybe his first sexual experience for all we know. Like, we Very really possible. have no clue where he's at because all he does is talk shit. And that's, we're not supposed to know with him. No, no, And I mean, again, all this is in the good because we're having these conversations and it feels very real and we know this character. And there's even the scene that I love. There's the scene where... Um, God, I think his friend's name is, I think it's like Mark. Mark, yes. Yeah, Mark, because I was like, it's Mike, I was like, it's not Mike, it's Mark. There's a scene where it's after uh, Stacy and Mark have kind of had their little pool date, yeah. and you can, you already saw that she was talking to Damone anyway, but after school, he says, you know, Mark really likes you, which is the classic I'm going, I'm, this is my friend's girl. I'm at least going to acknowledge that way. If anything happens, I can say, man, I talked about you the entire time she came on to me. That one little, you know, Mark really likes you, even though it's clear that she's hitting on him. Ah, was like, You know what? I got to say this objectively watching this as an adult, maybe as a teenager, I would have felt differently. Um, she came on to Mark. Mark did not respond. She then came on to her, his, the, the friend that she thought was cute. Yeah. He said, hey, my friend likes you. And she's like, I kind of don't care. So what's the no, point? No, no, no. In reality, as an adult, I feel like there are there are gray areas, but I don't feel like anything inherently was wrong. Yeah. I think that I'm saying it was very true to life and very true to teenagers yeah. and just guys when it comes to sex in general that he immediately picked up on, oh, she's into me. And he's like, in order to say that I'm still Mark's friend, I have to point out, hey, you know Mark's really into you. Sure, sure, And then if if you take it from there, then it's not my fault. And it was just, it's such a, it's such an immature way of handling that situation that I applauded this movie I think everything about, their relationship, uh, Damone and uh, Stacy, felt real. I thought yes. everything about the abortion thing felt real. I thought everything about the uh, treatment that he got afterwards felt real. Um, and how she eventually came around to Mark, all of that felt like a genuine journey. Absolutely. And also, I will say, we applauded Judge Reinhold earlier. I think he is a good brother. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the end, because you know, like I feel like their relationship as brother and sister feels very real and the idea that he drops her off you know like but then notices things and he's there for her and he respects her and he's just like hey if 
It'll just be your secret then. Yeah. You clearly don't want to share it. I'm not going to push you on this. I'm not going to tell mom and dad. I'm sorry that you had to go through this, and I'm here for you. And that's when, again, I think we start to see his character evolve from trying to be cool to actually being cool. Yeah. Um, And I think that, again, that's true to life of you're the coolest when you're not trying. Yes, 100%. Um, were there any other characters that stood out to you? Um, so I have a problem with Mr. Hand, but I do like, um, I, I said, to me, it's kind of weird because a teacher being petty enough to calculate the amount of time that a student, uh, who clearly, by the way, is high and is doing his best. Like, again, as for me as an adult, I'm like, that kid's high. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know this. You're making this more challenging by yes. calling him out. Um, but that's how I feel. I'm not a teacher. I don't know. But I thought that that was a little bit petty. But I also liked the idea that he was like, no, you said this was our time. And you disrupted our time. So now I'm going to disrupt your time. And what's even better about that storyline is the idea of Mr. Han seeing that, oh, you're actually a really smart kid. Yeah. When just... things are on your terms. Yeah. Um. No, I, I agree with you that I thought that Mr. Hand trying to reach Spicoli at all was the sign of a good teacher. But I do feel like the entire time, bro, why do you even care? Like, yeah. go home. You're done. School year's over. Just, like, wrap it up. Fail them. Whatever you got to do. Like, yeah. it's, it, I just, it, they made it seem like I'm going to spend a few hours with you and change your whole life. And I just don't think that's how anything actually Yeah, happens. honestly, or even if it's, like, I don't think he should have gone to his house. <laughs> yeah. But if it's the end of the school year or the last day of school or whatever, and you tell him, hey, you're going to sit here, and you and I are going to do this, and you have this exact same moment, I feel like that's fair. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you want to do after your time, I feel, again, all of this is fair. I just think that... it would. It would I thought it would have been cool if um, Spicoli was actually set up to fail his class and Mr. Ham would come and be like, hey, spend some time with me. Let me know that you know your shit and Again, I'll pass you. And you absolutely. If, if from the beginning it was kind of clear that Mr. Han saw something in him, that would be different. But they just treat it. They treat them like foes when I'm like, they're not foes. One's a teacher. One's a grown-ass man who's getting a salary to be here. And the other one's a student who clearly... Like, has shit going on. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, he did steal the man's pizza, so... Ah, well, so first of all, the audacity of ordering a pizza to class? Hilarious. Genius. The audacity of the teacher being like, you're right, this was our time, so this is our pizza. Also Again, hilarious. Again, also really genius. I feel like they are equally matched in their actions, but they're not equally matched in power or reason. Sure, sure. So, that's my idea. Um, yeah, anything from you? Um, I'm trying to think about the characters. I feel like we talked about all the major ones. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there is a, you know what? Let's just, let's just move on. All right. To the bad. Um, go. uh, let's talk about that Stacy is 15 years old. We are, we know this from the beginning that Stacy is 15. We are to believe that we are watching the actions of a 15 year old. Yeah. Uh, we see her naked, we see her fuck, we see her with a man who is extremely older than her. 27. While she is, again, 15. 15. Um, statutory rape is what we well, witness. Well, to be fair, she lies and says she's 19. And you know what? That's the thing that makes this movie so, like, an interesting, like, talking point, because you do have this point where we're, it is statutory rape in the sense that an adult is having sex with an underage child. 
But on two different occasions, that adult said, what is your age? Exactly. And she lied to him both times. Exactly. And so at that point, did he, is it, did he do anything wrong? Well, so th- there are a few things. Because, A, did he do anything illegal? Yes. No, he did not. Okay. Did he do anything wrong? For me, immediately I was like, even when he took her where he took her, to quote-unquote the point, and then they're having sex in this baseball dugout, I was like, this is a reminder to me of why 27-year-olds go for who they think are 19-year-olds. Because you are a 27-year-old man who takes your date to a baseball field to have sex, and it doesn't even look like it's good sex. So, again, I was like, this is the type of guy who, as always, thinks he has more to offer or likes to pretend he has more to offer than he actually does. And it just goes back to that whole idea of if you are this significantly older, you should have no interest in someone who is barely legal. Because what are you getting out of it? Other than someone who's naive. I, you know what? I, I'll give him this. Like, whatever. She's legal. According to his understanding, yep. she is legal. Whatever. I'm not even going to give them a problem about that. What I will say, though, is that I do think he is either married or has a girlfriend because a 27-year-old has a home that he can take. <laughs> That's what my friend kept saying. He's like, does this dude not have a place that he lives? An apartment? Something? I truly think that he's in a relationship. He saw this little girl that he thought he could take advantage of, that she would be dumb enough. But that's why when you said, did he do anything wrong? I'm like, to me, that is the point. Each and every time I see a significantly older adult with someone who's barely legal, I'm like, you only want that barely legal person because they're inexperienced and compared, you seem... You seem interesting. And I know that, I I don't know if this is a fair (laughs) argument, but that's kind of the only reason Stacey fucks him is because she sees him as older and experienced. Exactly. He sees her as younger and inexperienced. And so they're both getting what they want out of this exchange. Exactly. So again, I don't know that anyone did anything wrong. Um, so she does. She does by lying because she is in fact uh, implicating him into a crime. Yes. That he doesn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, for me, I kept saying, if you have to ask, you already know the answer. Yep. If you have to ask, how old are you again? That's because you know that you're probably out of age. If you have to ask a second time (laughs) for reassurance, hey, I'm about to slip this into you. (laughs) I need you to tell me. That's my response anyway. Um, Yeah, I just thought that was a very interesting thing. I do not have a problem, like, A, because who we're actually seeing naked are adults, of course. Um, I don't see that, that as that big of an issue. And then also, um, this is kind of like when I get into the makeover, I'll talk about this. This show, this movie has been remade so many times. Yeah. And the show Euphoria, for example, is a grandchild of what we yeah, are yeah. watching in this. And there's nudity there. And there's lying to adults to have sex. And there's like... It, there's this, this of childhood. This yeah. is very true. And especially for girls who look older or who guys feel look old enough to not deny it. Yeah. Um, this is a reality. And so I think it's really funny that someone like Roger Ebert was like, it's inappropriate. No, it's realistic. Um, I thought it was really funny how he hit on her because he was like, I'll have a meatball sub 
and your phone number. Again, if, I was like, if he can, uh, if, he, if he can get pussy with that line, anyone can. Well, bro. no, again, you only do to a fifteen-year-old because a fifteen-year-old is just like, hey, oh, I'll yeah. have a meatball sub and your phone number, the equivalent of a meatball sub to me. <laughs> it's so stupid, and I, I think that there is truth to a lot of these things. It's just. Uh, Phoebe Cates says, and of course I later think this is a lie, but maybe there's truth to it. Um, she's talking to Stacey about having sex, and she says something to the effect of, oh, I did it when it was 13. It's just sex. It's not a big deal. Which, again, I feel is true to how s- kids feel about this. Not saying that it's right. I just feel like kids feel that this is... like I feel like it's something that you would hear from your peers. Because yeah. they're not having conversations with their parents about these things. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to point out with this film is as much as, as great as it does with female characters, characters of color, practically none, you only get Forrest Whitaker and his little brother. There's a scene where I swear to God, I heard ape noises over Forrest Whitaker's face. Probably. And what's even crazier is he is seen as everything stereotypical. He is a jock. He, everyone is scared or intimidated by him. He, he is, literally goes ape shit. He is only seen to have agency um, on the football field. Every other time, I will say every other time he's kind of meek and he's like, you know, whatever. But his only motivation is football. And then on top of that, they even kind of hint at he's not supposed to be in this school. He was recruited for football. Yeah. And that's the only time anyone really sees him. Someone makes the line, I thought they flew him in for games only. Yeah, because he clearly doesn't live in this neighborhood, which is all white. Exactly. So, to me, I did not like Forrest Whitaker's character. Yeah. Because it seemed like he was literally a token. Uh, No, I 100% agree with all of that. I will say, uh, I didn't put this in my good, but I wanted just to be a note. Smokoli's answer to the car thing... Genius. Because, Amazing, right? yeah. I was, like, I was like, I don't know how you're getting out of this. Yes, I wrote that note too, actually. That, that was actually really, really smart of him. Um, although, he has a dream sequence where he drops the word bug. Do you want to talk about that? Um, what does he do? In his dream, Spicoli, Spicoli yes. Um, he is being interviewed. Oh, um, and he drops the F word? Yes. Um, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, is that great? No, but I'm not surprised of a movie from 1982. You know, it's like we deal with this with 90s movies, or sure, movies sure. from 2007. Yes. So <laughs> I don't expect 1982 yeah. to be on it. Um, and also, it's not like, like, not that this is the bar, but we didn't get any overtly feminine male characters. Yeah. That were also teased or made to be so it's like sure, sure, sure. you said a thing, it's not ideal. I do not want to give you good credit, like credit for it, but I also not gonna mark you as harshly as the other things that we have. Sure. Um I want to talk about the Phoebe Kate scene because I found that to be very weird as well. Yeah. Um so I always saw this scene as being considered like this iconic sexual awakening for boys across America. And this just being like have such like a big place in men's imaginations of of what it means to, you know, see a woman for the first time and all these things. And so 
going into this movie, I had these expectations that there was this highly iconic sexual scene. Mm -hmm. um, watching it as an adult is very weird because what we are seeing is uh, Judge Reinhold. He is um, uh, pleasuring himself. Yes, he is uh, rubbing one out, so yes. to speak. Um, to the idea of Phoebe Cates coming out of a pool, taking her top off, and giving him a kiss while he is wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. Siege question for you. Are, <laughs> does the idea of being kissed by a topless person while wearing a tux specifically in summer, does that attract, is that attractive to you? No, but also I, I say this all the time. This is pre-internet porn, and almost every single time I see a scene like this, I remind myself, as much as I don't like it and I, want, I have my own issues with it, I always remind myself this is pre-internet porn, so what we are seeing is their next best thing. Sure. This is like, this is what they could get away with, this is what they could show, and so they did it so everyone could go back home and do what we do. Which uh, is what your porn holds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I did have a crush on Phoebe Cates, but it was not because of this movie. It was because of Drop Dead Fred, <laughs> where she has the imaginary friend. So what's interesting about that scene is, well, it's funny because, um, Stacy, there, I, I looked up the notes for this movie, and there was supposed to be a full frontal of Damone when they yeah, go. They actually filmed it and cut it. Yeah, and they were told that they had to cut like, they weren't going to let the blowjob tutorial and his penis be in the movie. So they had to cut one in order to not get an X rating. And, of course, they went with the one that um, marginalized females more and not made things equal for female exposure and male exposure. Sure, sure, and that's sure. another thing that I had uh, a problem with in this movie. I feel like nowadays we're trying to be better at um, showing men's bodies as much as we show females' bodies, but you see a lot of female bodies who are supposed to be minors in this movie and very little male bodies. Uh, I think we get Judge Reinhold in his underwear and we get Damone in his underwear yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of like, uh, bulges going yeah. on. Yeah, so nothing of sexuality of, of a man. Yeah, men aren't sexualized, but all girls are. Yeah, that's true. That's some, that's some truth. And that's to me, like, that, again, that's my issue with this. Um, I But I think we kind of saw this with uh, the Tom Cruise movie we saw as well, that this yeah. is kind of the movie of the times. There's one thing I thought of. Uh, they go to, uh, they have a science class. They see Mark together. Um, there is a scene where they walk in the class for the first time. There's a monkey there. Can you think of anything more fucking distracting <laughs> than a monkey chirping away, throwing feces in the corner? I was going to bring up the science class because yep. they see an actual dead person. What I feel, I was like, I feel like so many health code violations are happening right now. I feel like you have to be in med school for a while, maybe. He took them oh, directly a biology to a major in college or something. No one's sterilized. Nope. No one has any protective gear. I doubt they even got permission slips signed by their parents. Spicoli's not even <laughs> in our class. He just showed up. He's like, I'm in your class today. And then for them to do just so carelessly over this person's body, and then there seems to be degrading the person who donated their body to science as well. Yep. It's just like, how much did they get? Like, $10? And it's making fun of these people who, most people I know who donated their body to science, do so for the advancement of science. They don't do so because they're 
idiots. Sure. And even let's assume that the person needed the money. So now you're mocking someone who was so low that they needed to donate their body to science for money, and you're just like, idiot. I Like, oh, God, I had such a problem with that scene. I, I mean, I would imagine that kids would be immature with a dead body, which is why I think children being with a dead body is problematic. Well, kids can be, but all of this came from the two adults in the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like that was another thing that yeah, really I think bothered me. We're supposed to understand that this is what the eighties was, just adults not being a, worth a damn thing as far as like being an example for people to follow. Well, they pointed out that we only meet one parent in the yeah. entire movie, and that is uh Stacy and Brad's uh mom. I think we hear from Damone's mom where she's like, Oh, he's he's not available to talk right now. Well, I think it's not a very prominent yeah. Well, A, we don't see her. Yeah. And B, I feel like actually we don't even get that. I feel like Phoebe sorry, Stacy tells us everything his mom said. Mm. Uh, from my recollection. Wow. I, I, either way, it wasn't, there was, you're right, there's not a lot of parents going on in this. The only other, the, the last thing that I have that, like, really bothered sure, me, sure, sure. of course, is, like, I feel like almost all the dynamics are good. I feel like um, it's, again, truth-telling in teenagers and even, like, their, the mall being, like, their safe haven and all this other stuff. Sure, I have no problem with any of that. I do have a problem with the abortion storyline, because, A, uh, Stacy says I haven't been with anyone else when we know she has. Okay. So there's that. But that's not even my issue. My issue is the idea that it really does kind of let Damona off the hook. Because, I mean, maybe, again, that's true to life. But the idea that all he had to do was pick her up in the lease and he doesn't even do that is really, really bothered me. I, you know what, it's it's a child really just avoiding responsibility for this really drastic thing. I, I would love, and maybe this exists somewhere, maybe there's some kind of Cam and Crow, like, uh, commentary, a uh, uh, DVD commentary or something, where we find out exactly what is pulled from his real-life experience of going undercover in high school. Like, are these situations that actually happen? Because at that point, maybe there isn't this debate over whether a character would or not do this. Maybe this is like, no, kids did this, and this is an account of something similar. Honestly, I'm going to bring it up constantly, especially in the makeover section, but Euphoria does very similar things. Yeah. And I just feel like Euphoria does it in a, a with a better narrative, and it also, like... Well, I, it holds people accountable, or it's like for me, like all of these stories are tales as old as time. Which you know, and maybe like this was the blueprint of it, and that's why I feel that way. But like this movie, very often, in my opinion, doesn't really say anything about what's going on. It just kind of shows it, and that showing it doesn't seem to have a real point of view. Sometimes. It does really good yeah. in some, and, and it just falls short. I, 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 I'm fine with it. I think that we're just supposed to be getting a snapshot of what it's like to be a high schooler in 1982. And I'm, I'm kind of fine with there not being, like, a, a narrative or a, a straight structure narrative. But the next one that um, the director does, Clueless, that the, that's a high school story that, to me, is dead on. It does sure. everything that this movie does, if, and it still has... A voice and an identity. And I feel like part of the issue with this movie is Spicoli is the only one who has a voice and an identity. 
I think that was by accident. I don't think they intended. Yeah, but that's my point. Yeah, yeah. My point is the reason why you the movie's takeaway is Spicoli is because he's the only one who seems like a full fledged character, well thought out, and 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 has thoughts and everything behind him that you can't quite express, or you don't even see all of it, but it's it's all there. Um, I think Cameron Crowe, who wrote this movie, he has another movie called Singles, which is about just like. 20-somethings in Seattle during grunge era. And it's yeah. literally just like a snapshot like this of their life. And so I think that's a narrative choice. But I also think that he is just really obsessed with just interesting characters. And I think if you watch Jerry Maguire and you watch Almost Famous and you watch some of his uh, you know, more acclaimed work, you see these like fascination with these just characters. And I think that that's what we're seeing with Spicoli and a few of the other standouts of this cast is that he saw something that really inspired him. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, no, no. No. Oh, something that should be in our good that I didn't mention: the soundtrack. Dope as fuck. Yes. Yes. I thought the same thing. The soundtrack definitely. The moment we open up, it's just like it's it's so. I was like, I feel like each and every one of these songs is currently iconic. It felt like this was the first MTV movie. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, overall, I really like. Still think this is a pretty iconic and um, real look at a, an early '80s high school life. But you're right. There's, there's issues. So the makeover was hard for me because I feel like this yes. movie has been made, has over. been made over so many times. But you know what? I think you're, you're right in the sense that, like, when it comes to these, because I think this predates the John Hughes stuff. Like, this it is does. before Breakfast Club and anything like that. It does. I feel like this was the iPhone one of yeah. Um, honest depictions of teenage life taken seriously and not as some cookie cutter shit. Honestly, I feel like this is the iPod. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) And so, like, you're right. Like, compared to, like, an iPhone 10, like, obviously, I don't think it's going to have the awareness that Euphoria does or the maybe the cinematic style or taking the characters as seriously. Um, But it's hard to ignore that we wouldn't have so many other things without this. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, this is the very first it's noted as being one of the first teen comedies. Yeah. And I... If you can call it a comedy. And that's what's funny is, like, it's considered a comedy. And I was like, mm, is it? A child has an abortion. <laughs> like, what's, what's this comedy? Comedy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, I think that, in my mind, this has been made over so many times. So there's not really much to say because we're going to get these characters. We're going to get these storylines. We're currently getting it with Euphoria, which I have uh, praised... Before, and I will praise again, I feel like Euphoria does this justice, and I feel like it does it right. And it tells the current teenager's story in kind of the same, not in the same way, but with the same purpose and idea behind it. So it's really interesting talking about a makeover, because I thought the same thing, that there had been so many makeovers of this, but one of the things that I was like, all right, so what's the true like thing that makes this movie stand out? And to me, it's the fact that we're getting a very raw look at people from a time period where we normally would get a very glossed over uh, Hollywood painted perception. Like what we thought of high schoolers of like happy days in Greece and shit like that compared to something like this. So to me, I think it would be very interesting to see like this story set in 1968. And like seeing like what it was actually like. That's American graffiti, isn't it? But not like a like this like 
the idealistic, what it means to be, have an American experience from told by the white man. I'm talking like that same euphoria, honest depiction of raw truth in this time period where the world is exploding, but we're taught societally to pretend that everything's okay. And maybe there's some interesting things that are happening when schools start integrating for the first time. And, you know, like there's things I feel like where this idea of a snapshot of one school year with kids who are all experiencing crazy things, um, putting that in the past may make it more relevant to today in a way that it wouldn't if it were set in the present. I think this movie is such a foundation. I feel like we wouldn't have things like that 70s show or 90210 without this movie or like surf culture and like what that became and absolutely like i just feel like this movie it it it's done so much and it's the foundation of so much that i i, I respect it yeah but i also feel like there are just so many issues with this movie so are you, in terms of storytelling so are we saying that this movie is unable to be made over no, I feel like it's always being made over. I feel like it's one of the... I feel like this this movie is a pillar. Ah, okay. I you like that I mean? it's always being made it's over. It's always being made over. I feel like this movie is Romeo and Juliet. This is this is Yesterday by the Beatles. There's yes. so many covers that it's hard to... Yeah, Absolutely. That it's really hard to say how someone could do it better than we've already seen it get better uh, yeah. made. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my opinion of it. Sure, sure. All right. So, uh, anything else? Uh, no. Um, in general, I, I like the movie, and I think it's worth a watch if you have not seen it. Mm, and see, I'm like, I feel like you could watch just about anything else that came after it, and you would you would get a better version maybe, of it. Maybe maybe if you're like me and your parents were a teenagers during this time period, there might be an added uh, like thing for you to clench onto the way I was or something like that. But it is, I think, very interesting to see this specific time period. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. Uh, Tony? Yeah, um, and you can find me on Instagram at abraverme, at me. And if you guys have thoughts on how to make this movie better, please write us at movie underscore makeover on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all that shit. And you can email us at moviemakeoverpod at gmail.com. <laughs> As always, I'm Teach. And I'm TC. Makeover, Makeover and out. out. Hey, bud, let's party.